Good morning, and thanks for being here with us. I tell you, every Sunday I still have this strange fear that I'm going to trip climbing up onto this stage, and y'all are just going to laugh. So far, I have fortunately avoided that. I know some of you would be kind and not laugh, but I know that most of you would fall out of your chairs laughing. So the good thing is, if I fall flat on my face, half of you will fall on your face too, even as you're laughing at me. All right, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10 in just a minute. I do want to remind you all, thank you for being here with us. If you're at home, uh, we're glad that you can be online with us. If you're in here in the parking lot with us, welcome to the uh, to the sweat show. I'm glad that we're all together. I do want to remind you, uh, many of you are in your vehicles. Uh, there is uh, there's room inside. If any of you uh, would like to, uh, to, to worship indoors, I'm not 100% sure how many in there, but I had, had about 50 in there last week. So um, uh, if you want to go and, and enjoy the air conditioning, we got live music in there. I just stood in there for just a minute and worshiped with, uh, with those folks indoors and uh, just a sweet spirit, uh, not only across our parking lot, but inside. And I'm sure for some of you, there's a sweet spirit at home as you have a chance just to worship the Lord uh, in ways perhaps that uh, you never anticipated before. And yet God continues to be good to us in spite of all of our circumstances. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, we're going to begin reading in verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through verse 10. Stand with me and honor God's word, if you will. Thank you. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, and to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was, to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from people, that is, from their brothers, Though these also are descended from Abraham, but this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, he receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would take um, what is a, a bit of a complex passage of Scripture this morning and help us to break it down into, um, into an understandable uh, chunk that we can not only uh, hear and learn from, but that we can apply in our own lives. Lord, I pray that we would walk away uh, saying not merely that we gather in a parking lot or gather in a sanctuary, but God, that we actually met with the God of the universe through your word this morning. I pray your Holy Spirit would empower me but not only empower me as I preach, but Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will move among all of us as we hear and as we worship and as we seek, Father, to honor you. For you alone are worthy of all praise and glory and honor. So speak to us, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our priest, our King, and our prophet, we pray. Amen. Now, we get into this passage of Hebrews, and if some of you have noticed by now, uh, there, there's some parts of Hebrews that we kind of slog through. And when we make it to this part of Hebrews chapter 7, we find ourselves sort of wrestling with some um, somewhat unique 
history. So Melchizedek, we've already seen him a couple of times since we've been in the book of Hebrews. He's, uh, um, for, for all intents and purposes, he's a minor player in the Old Testament. We only see him show up one time. Uh, but it, it turns out that as the New Testament writers began to read the Old Testament and wrestle through what the Old Testament meant, it turns out that Melchizedek has uh, importance that far outweighs his, his cameo appearance in the Old Testament. For Melchizedek points to something far greater than himself. Melchizedek is a road sign pointing the way towards Jesus. So as we um, wrestle through this this morning, we're going to see that Melchizedek is a sort of type. And when we use that word in the Old Testament, that means uh, um, uh, a, a, an example uh, of Jesus. And he, and he points on now, we're going to do something unique in this passage of Scripture, and you'll see it as we get into there. Uh, as I seek to preach, my, my goal in preaching is to, is to preach what we call expository sermons or expositional preaching. So uh, to try and take the meaning of the text and to do as best as I can to break it down into to understandable, appli- applica- application, app- appliable, that's the word. Uh, I just want y'all to get it, okay? I want to preach it in a way that y'all can get it. That's the goal. Um, and, and nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100 even, what we're looking for is what's in the text to help us to see what we need to understand. But this morning, there's something that we're going to actually preach about that's not in the text, and it's the very fact that it is absent that helps us to appreciate some of the greatness of who Jesus is. Now, Jesus combines the offices that we saw present in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we saw three offices given to God's people, the office of prophet and priest and king. And for those of you that have been Christians long enough through the 90s, you might remember a small-town poet song called Prophet, Priest, and King. I know Kevin will. If nobody else does, I listened to it in my office this morning just to get ready for this, for this sermon. I would encourage you to go and look it up if you're a fan of 90s music, and you should be. Let's just all be totally honest. But Jesus owns those roles. Um, now, he, he's a priest and a king after the order of Melchizedek, because he has no predecessor and he has no descendant. He is an uncontested king and priest, and his reign is forever. Now, as we work through that, I want to set the stage for you just a little bit. A little bit of history. The story recounted in this passage comes from Genesis 14. There we learn that a coalition of kings from the east invaded the territory of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Bela. Those um, invading kings overwhelmed the armies of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and their sort of coalition, and they took many of the people captive, and one of the taken captives was Lot. Now, this is just like a movie, a Hollywood movie. It's all okay until they took the wrong guy captive, and the wrong guy that they took captive in this particular instance was Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew, and so in good uncle fashion, Abraham was not content to allow this to happen, so he mustered his own troops, and he marched against the armies from the east. Encountering them at a place called Dan, Abraham staged a nighttime raid and put his enemies to flight, recovering much of the spoil, but also rescuing his nephew Lot. And on his way home, Abraham encountered a couple of people. He encountered the king of Sodom, but more importantly, he encountered a man named Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is identified as 
priest of the Most High God and king of Salem. He's a pretty big deal. Now, why does the writer of Hebrews tell us this? Because he wants us to understand that Melchizedek was a sign in the Old Testament pointing to something else altogether. He was a sign pointing to a greater fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus fulfills the three offices of the Old Testament of prophet, priest, and king. Now, Melchizedek was both prophet, or excuse me, was both king and priest. He was not a prophet. Jesus, however, would fulfill all three offices, thus showing us that he is the greater king, the better kind of king to whom we must all bow. So how do we consider these offices of prophet, priest, and king this morning in the way that we should worship Jesus? The first thing we see this morning is that we should follow Jesus's revelation. Now, I know that in your outline it says teaching, but this morning as I was making final preparation, I realized that I shouldn't have gone with that word teaching. And the reason I shouldn't have is because when we think of the role of a prophet, certainly a prophet was a teacher, and we do not deny that, but a priest was also a teacher. You can go back and look at the role of Ezra, uh, for instance, in, in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and see his role there. So a prophet was not primarily a teacher. Now, Melchizedek isn't known as a prophet, but again, in many ways, this is what makes Jesus the better kind of king. He fulfills the role of prophet. We tend to think of a prophet's role as a teaching and, and sort of the priest's role as that of, of standing in the gap. Um, as, as the Redeemer offering sacrifices for the people or on the people's behalf to God. Uh, and the priest certainly did that, and the prophet would have certainly taught. But more importantly than teaching, a prophet was responsible for giving God's revelation. God's revelation. A prophet was the mouthpiece of God. So we consider what it is that Jesus has done just like the Old Testament prophets, Jesus declared, thus says the Lord. You understand this is different from teaching. As a pastor, I teach about what God's Word says. I try to help you understand what God's Word says. But I don't have a special direct kind of access to the Lord that I can stand up here before you on a Sunday morning and say, I've got a revelation and God says this to you. The only revelation I have for you of God's Word is what we have wrapped up in God's Bible. But Jesus was more. He declared, thus says the Lord. He's a mouthpiece of God. But not only is he a mouthpiece of God, he's also the fulfillment of prophecy. Do you understand? All of the Old Testament prophecy ultimately pointed to Jesus, and they find their greatest fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus is the fullest revelation of God. So Jesus is a mouthpiece of God. He's the fulfillment of God's prophecy. But perhaps even greater, Jesus is the embodiment of prophecy. If prophecy is the declaration of the Word of God, and if Jesus himself, according to John chapter 1, is the embodied Word of God, then Jesus is the embodiment of the office of prophet. He fulfills it with his very being. When Jesus steps onto the scene, God is in the process of revealing himself to his people. Do you want to know what God looks like? We look to Jesus. He 
is God incarnate in the flesh. And in Jesus, we have the revelation of God. How can we know something of God's love and justice and mercy? We can look to the person of Jesus and see them all fulfilled. Folks, we need to look no further than the cross of Calvary to know that there, the very love, justice, and mercy of God are all poured out in one place. Jesus is a prophet of God. He is the great prophet of God. And folks, we must follow Jesus's revelation. Second thing, we've got to trust in Jesus's redemption. Now, this again is the primary role of a priest to offer sacrifices to God on behalf of the people of God. Melchizedek, as a priest of God, would have offered sacrifices to God. Now, what's interesting is that the story of Melchizedek predates the Old Testament law given to Moses. All right? What does that mean? That means the idea of a priest to God who would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people doesn't just arise out of nowhere on Mount Sinai. It it, it suggests to us that what we see coming in the Old Testament law as God revealed it to Moses was probably a codification of much of what had been going on throughout all of human history. In other words, God has always had his people. God has always had his people. I uh, I occasionally have opportunities to speak to our International Mission Board uh, uh, executives and and employees, and I love, I've got a buddy there that I speak to several times a year, and every once in a while I'll say, Zane, do we have missionaries in such and such a place? And he can't actually answer my question, you understand? Because I'm asking questions that he's not allowed to answer. And I'm asking about places that he, for security reasons, can't tell me about. But his answer will always be the same. God has his people, Craig. And the International Mission Board works to make sure that we have our people, and that's all I'm going to tell you. And I just love it when I can see him face to face and I can ask those questions. And sometimes the twinkle can come in his eye and I can go, that's right. We got people right there. God has his people there. God's always had his people. So Melchizedek is priest of the most high God, but he predates the Old Testament law. Now that's important because in predating the Old Testament law, we also, just a minute. I need to get like a water bottle holder up here. How about this? That'll work. Uh, in, in predating the Old Testament law, it helps us to understand this idea that, that Melchizedek doesn't have a beginning or ending. Now, understand, when the writer of the Hebrews says he doesn't have a beginning or ending, he's not suggesting that Melchizedek was sort of um, just sent as a grown man by God and then taken back up. This is a literary term or, 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 or sort of spin, and what he's saying is that we don't have a genealogy of Melchizedek. All the Old Testament priests were born. They were appointed as priests, and then they would be taken out of that office of priests, and they would die. They didn't die as a priest. The office was passed on to someone else. But Melchizedek has no genealogy, and therefore he continues, at least in a literary sense, he continues on and on in this role of priest. Folks, so too with Jesus our great high priest, who continues to intercede at the right hand of the Father. Folks, do you understand there is no chance that we will elect another priest to replace Jesus? His priesthood continues on. 
We're going to have an election this year in November. Maybe you hadn't noticed the, the TV ads or anything, but um, no, I think we've all already seen it. Uh, we're already tired of it and, and just ready for it to move on, right? You know, there's never going to be a point in time when we're voting for another high priest. Jesus is the fulfillment of the priesthood, and in Jesus, since the priesthood was fulfilled, there is no ongoing role of priest. I was having this conversation with one of our guys just this week. This is why, as a pastor, I am not in the line of the priests. I have a a biblical responsibility as a pastor, but it is very different from the office of priest. Why? Because there is no need for a priest interceding on behalf of God's people anymore because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for his people every single day, 24-7. Jesus has made it possible for us to have access in the very throne room of God as our great high priest, and he continues on without beginning and without ending. So this morning we see, first, since Jesus is our prophet, we should submit or follow his revelation. Since Jesus is our priest, we should trust in his redemption. And then finally this morning, since Jesus is our king, we should submit to Christ's rule. Melchizedek was a king. The writer of Hebrews shows that he was the king, the Melech of righteousness, Sedek. Okay, so that's so when when he says right there that he is by name king, first by name king of righteousness. Right? That's because his name literally means king of righteousness, Melech Sedek. And then you run all that together. Don't, if, if my Hebrew's bad, if we have a Hebrew scholar in the room, let me just tell you, it's not good. And I can point you to my Hebrew professor and he can apologize for me on my behalf. But what you need to understand is that Melchizedek's name means king of righteousness. Right? But not only was he the king of righteousness, we are also told that he was the king of Salem. So Melchizedek, king of Salem. So if his name is, so king of righteousness, that's his name and his title, king of Salem. The writer of Hebrews takes that word Salem and he he compares it with the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. And so the writer of Hebrews says he is the king of righteousness and he is the king of peace. It's a pretty big deal, right? Now, he apparently was a big deal because when the king of Sodom and the king of Salem came out to meet Abraham, Abraham gave a tithe, a tribute to the king of Salem. The king of Sodom just kind of gets ignored. Hey, I'll get to you in a minute. This is the guy I need to be spending time with right now. So Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace, and apparently the ruler of the kings in his day, the king to which all other rulers were compared, is the king that we're speaking of. But what of Jesus? Why Melchizedek and Jesus? Because the writer of Hebrews wants his people and, by extension, us to understand that as big a deal as Melchizedek was, he pales in comparison to King Jesus. Melchizedek was a good priest and a good king, but Jesus is the better prophet, priest, and King, what of our king? What of Jesus? Well, I I think that if some of you have heard a sermon by an old preacher years ago, you can be reminded that he is the king of Jews, the king of righteousness, the king of glory, the king of the ages, the king of heaven, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. He is the king to which all other rulers must be compared. 
and the king to which all other rulers must bow. Melchizedek was a king who was greater than Abraham. Thus Abraham paid tribute to him, and he was greater than the other kings around him, as I just mentioned. But make no mistake, one greater than Melchizedek has arisen, and his name is Jesus. He's the prophet who embodies the teachings of God. He's the priest who makes atonement for your sins and mine at the feet of God. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, but don't miss this. He's also the great king who is worthy of all praise and all honor and all glory. And the day is coming when at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess him as Lord. You see, the ultimate question for us is not, will you submit to Christ's rule? The ultimate question is, when will you submit to Christ's rule? Because the Bible teaches us that when Jesus returns and he comes back to call all who are his own on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In other words, at the return of Christ, you will confess him either with joy because your Savior has arrived, or you will confess him as a conquered foe because the Savior has arrived and he has overwhelmed you. We don't talk much about these kinds of strong words anymore, but they are biblical words because Jesus is a king. And folks, we need to understand that kings bear kings bear no one who will oppose them now jesus is better than an earthly king because not only is he the king who is greater than all things he's the king who's actually made a way right uh he, he's the king who looks at his enemies and says though your sins be as scarlet i'll make them white as snow he's the king who says though you are my enemy while we were yet enemies while you were yet an enemy of mine. I died for you, making atonement as your priest, making a way for you to be in perfect relationship and harmony with me. This is the king that we have, Jesus. Will you submit today? You know, COVID has changed many things. It's made worship different and life different. Um, We're in a parking lot and we're at home. Uh, we're, we're inside, we're spread out. But COVID has not shifted the balance of the universe. COVID has not shifted the balance of the universe. There isn't room for two kings. Trump isn't king. Putin isn't king. Xi Jinping isn't king. The CDC isn't king. COVID-19 isn't king. All of this will pass away, but Jesus will reign forever, a prophet, priest, and king with no ending, and he deserves your worship. And so as we consider this better kind of king, the most important question facing you today is will you bow before this king will you bow before this king the bible says that when abraham came out of that battle now we don't get like this detailed history of it we just kind of get the high high points the whole story 
is contained in one chapter in Genesis chapter 14. But the Bible says that when Abraham met him, there doesn't appear to have been any bargaining, right? Melchizedek comes out. Abraham says, oh, there's Melchizedek. Here's, here's what you deserve. It's all yours. Giving you my tenth because I acknowledge that you are greater than me. Melchizedek then blesses Abraham. Folks, why would Melchizedek bless Abraham? Because Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. Abraham didn't come out of a battle with his chest swelled up and decide it was time to contest this. Abraham acknowledged it. So when Melchizedek offered a blessing, Abraham offered a tribute. Folks, we can get so wrapped up in our own selves. We can get so wrapped up in what we've accomplished or what we've done. We can get so wrapped up in who we think we are, what we want to be, that we can forget that the blessings that we enjoy have come from one far greater than us. And he's worthy of all our praise and our honor. Y'all, we are right to spend so much time talking about how much God loves us. Because he does. We are right to spend so much time talking about just how much he has given for us so that we might be saved because it is true. Well, folks, we are also right to regularly be reminded that this God who loves us and has given so much for us is the king of glory. And he deserves our honor and our praise. And there is not room in this universe for two kings. Only Jesus will do. This morning I ask you, are you giving God your praise and your worship? Have you allowed something else to get in the way? Have you allowed something else to get into the way of the honor that he deserves? The Bible says that's idolatry and it's a sin. Perhaps the person that looks at you in the mirror every morning gets in the way of the honor and the worthy and the praise and the honor, worth, and praise that you owe to the Lord. Perhaps there are days when rather than giving God your tribute, you're just paying it right back to yourself. This morning I ask you simply this. Would you surrender to the better king? The prophet who gives us the full and final revelation of God, the priest who continues to make intercession on our behalf, and the king who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the king of the ages, the king who will never be surpassed. I am, then I'm done, I promise. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned that, that during this sort of strange time, and that, that's just the word that always kind of comes back to me, this strange time, that we've sort of allowed lots of things to take a back seat Right? And, and, and we've blamed COVID for it. And, and look, not just blamed it, it's, it's a formidable foe. But I, I'm concerned that perhaps sometimes we're not even doing, doing, doing business with Jesus because we've put that on the back burner. Well, I'll get around to that later. So many things have been put on hold, right? I mean, taxes got put on hold. We've always said the only thing sure in life, what? Death and paying taxes. Well, even that got put on hold. Folks, can I tell you that there are spiritual things that you need to deal with that need not be put on hold any longer. 
You keep maybe thinking that it'll come around. I'll get around to it another day or another time. Can I just urge you to not put it off any longer? Jesus is still the king. He's still in charge. And he stands ready today to receive you. This morning, if you'd like to know what it is to have a closer relationship with Jesus, I'd love to pray with you today. Listen, if you'd like to come up here, I'll stand over here off camera. So it'll just be me and you, nobody watching at home. Uh, right here in the parking lot. If you're in the sanctuary today, Pastor Buster's in there. He'd love to meet with you up front, um, talk with you about what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. He is our great king. There's only one of him. But here's the incredible thing. I started with a smart aleck remark about a song from the 90s. But the great, the great theme of that song is this, that all the other leaders in the world, all the other people in the world don't have any time for me. But our great prophet, priest, and king stands ready to hear from us right now. And Jesus will hear from you and Jesus will change you. Don't put it off any longer. Would you come today and discover life with Christ? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray you'd be with us today. Give us wisdom according to your word. Help us to trust you, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would work among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all stand with us as we sing.